Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Hebrews tells us, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer here, something it's Paul, something it's another writer of Hebrews is saying, we need to gather like this. We need to be encouraged as we are now, because there's going to come a point in time in which Jesus is going to return, and that's it. That's all she wrote. And maybe, as we'll talk about in a few moments, there's people in your life that are far from the Lord, and that day when he returns, there won't be another time for them to ever come to faith in him. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Unlike any other time, people are asking the question, is the end near? We have wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, pandemics, and persecution. In this series, Pastor Philip is going to dive deep into the topic of end times as we study the book of Revelation, 1 Thessalonians, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and many other biblical prophecies. What we will find in this series is that Christians should not be scared of the end, but recognize God is bringing all things to a perfect ending. Please enjoy the message. continuing a series called Perfect Ending, and it's a series that's about um, dealing with Christ's return, the end times, biblical prophecy. There's never been a time in this season of ministry that I've been in, which is about 16 years, that I've had people talking to me about what does the Bible say about Armageddon? What does the Bible say about a rapture? What does the Bible say about prophecy? And how do we make sense of all that? But I'd also say it's about this time that many of you, frankly, are very busy. You have a lot happening in your lives, and, and really, you, you know that this is important because you've heard people like me say, hey, it's 30% of the Bible, and most of it is about Christ's return, so we need to understand it, but you just, it, just doesn't, I don't, it just doesn't have a lot of relevancy to your life. And so there's a few reasons why this particular topic doesn't hit home the way that it should for us. One is, is that, again, it's irrelevant to your life. And maybe it's uh, you're dealing with marital tension, maybe it's parental tension, maybe it's uh, professional tension. You've got issues that you're dealing with, maybe you have opportunities, you have great things going on in your life. That's what has your attention, not biblical prophecy, and I get that. Or maybe it's just too difficult to understand for you, and hopefully we've helped that, and hopefully we will help that today. But it's not something that you gravitate towards because you just don't understand it that well. And maybe you're just not sure if it'll happen in your life, and so if it's not going to happen in your life, then why does it even matter? Well, the reason that it matters for all of us is that Jesus spoke a lot about it. The Bible speaks a significant amount about it, and it's very relevant because it does affect the way that we live our lives. And much like, I might even go back to Chase's story that we heard earlier, he received teaching in a moment, in an event that led him to where he's at now. And I don't know where this is going to hit you right now, but I do know that each and every week we gather together, you learn something, you hear something, you even sing something that maybe you're able to draw from later on, maybe it's days, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's even years or decades that'll help you in that moment. And so we listen to this now so we can understand what it is that is to come. And so what is it that is to come? Well, Jesus said, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And so Jesus says that this is a very, the end is imminent, but 
he in that moment didn't even know when it was going to happen. And that's a testimony to his being fully God, fully man, that in being fully man, there were aspects of his godliness that he had limited in that season, as Philippians 2 tells us, that he emptied himself. He emptied himself of some of that godliness to become fully man and be able to become a, a, a atoning sacrifice for each and every one of us. And this is an element of that. But now he does know, I, I believe, as he has ascended unto heaven. But at this time, we didn't know. But the principle I want to present to you today is we don't know the day, we don't know the hour when he'll return, but we can know the season. We can't know that day, we can't know the hour of his coming, but we can know the season. Jesus gave us many descriptors that will help us to understand as things are moving towards that culmination that we can look at and begin to decipher and discern. Um, the Apostle Paul gave us some of those same characteristics of what is happening in our world or what is going to happen in our world that we can discern and decipher through to understand that Christ is coming. But in the meantime, Hebrews tells us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Paul, or the writer here, something it's Paul, something it's another writer of Hebrews, is saying we need to gather like this. We need to be encouraged as we are now. Because there's going to come a point in time in which Jesus is going to return, and that's it. That's all she wrote. And maybe, as we'll talk about in a few moments, there's people in your life that are far from the Lord, and that day when he returns... There won't be another time for them to ever come to faith in him. And so Paul is saying, continue to gather, continue to encourage one another, continue to be a part of a faith community because God is coming, God is up to something, God is doing some amazing things in our world, but until that day comes, we're gonna need encouragement because it's gonna get harder. Now what I wanna spend the next few moments just talking about is why the Lord's return might be sooner than later why it might be nearer than further away, why it might be something that might actually happen in our life, or maybe it might happen just a little bit past our life, but it might be closer than we actually think. And so why is it that we can believe that? Well, I'm going to share a few things with you that speak to that, all right? Reasons the Lord's return might be near. The number one reason is there is a rebirth of, the, of Israel as a nation. You know, when it comes to biblical prophecy, we are approaching it from a premillennial standpoint, which means more of a literal take on biblical prophecy. There's an amillennial perspective, and the amillennial perspective is one to look at biblical prophecy more figuratively. You can study that more in depth at another time, but our focus, again, is more from a premillennial standpoint as it relates to these particular messages. And that is why Israel is so important when it comes to this particular point of view from interpreting the scripture. Ezekiel said it this way, the Bible. Then he said to him, to me, son of man, this is Ezekiel 37, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And so, he, so, so the prophet is standing before a valley of bones and God is speaking to him. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. So in one sense, this is a great illustration of everyone who might be spiritually poor. You are distant from the Lord. You are a valley of dry bones. And there needs to be a revival that takes place in your heart. 
But this also literally applies to Israel as a nation. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. And so he's saying in Ezekiel 37, there's going to be a, a revival of Israel and they will come back to this land. He said, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And so this is a prophecy that one day Israel would be reestablished as a nation. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. Now, a man named C.I. Scofield, who was a biblical commentator, wrote approximately around 1900 that Israel would be reestablished as a nation, and he referenced this particular prophecy as a point for that. And people scoffed at C.I. Scofield for saying this because that doesn't happen. A nation like Israel was destroyed, specifically in 70 AD. Jerusalem was completely annihilated. The temple was torn down. When that happens to a nation, they don't get reestablished. That had never happened for some 1900 years, and so people scoffed at that until 1948 when there was a reestablishment of Israel as a nation. And right after that, our president at the time, Harry Truman, validated that, validated them as a nation. Because the Arabs, as soon as Israel had reestablished itself as a nation in Palestine, the Arabs said that they were going to go to war against them. And then Truman stepped in immediately and said, well, if you go to battle with them, then you're going to battle with us. And that is where that relationship that we now have today was established. And it continues on up until this day. What this also means... I would say, is that God was guiding Truman. People have speculated and wondered why Truman would so quickly come along the side Israel. Maybe it was because of the atrocities of World War II. Maybe it was a political move. Maybe it was geopolitical. But again, I would argue it was something greater than that. Proverbs 21 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like a water course wherever he will. When people have authority, God has given them that authority. 
And God is still guiding and influencing those individuals because God's plan is greater than any of our plans. And with that, Israel was reestablished as a nation. And with that also, there was a regathering of an unbelieving Jewish people to Israel. They don't believe in Jesus, but they were regathered there. And that, again, was a, a fulfillment of prophecy. I am with you and will save you, declares the Lord. Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I scattered you, I will not completely destroy you. This is Jeremiah writing. These were very difficult times for the people of Israel in that occasion, but they came out of it and there was a rebirth of their nation. Isaiah said it this way, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time. The first time was when Artaxerxes issued a decree that Nehemiah should go back and rebuild Jerusalem. You can read that in the book of Nehemiah. Now he's referring to something else in the book of Isaiah a second time. I'm going to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, the lower Egypt, from upper Egypt, from Cush, Elam, Babylonia, Hamath, from the islands of the sea. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four corners of the earth. What this is telling us is that there is going to be a great regathering of Jewish people in Israel, which is happening, has been happening. This is prophecy that was given at a time that was very difficult for the people of Israel. They were constantly being conquered and scattered throughout the world. And now we're seeing things happening that are fulfillments of those prophecies. This is encouraging stuff, especially for them. Now, how much is this regathering? Well, look at this. In 1900, there were 40,000 Jews in Palestine. By the end of World War II, there were 800,000. But today, nearly 7 million Jewish people who have come back to Israel from all over the world, and they are reclaiming the land and reestablishing the cities. Now, why are they regathering? Well, again, if you look at it from a premillennial standpoint, they are regathering because there is going to be judgment that's going to come upon them. The purpose of judgment from God is not ever to pay back. It's to bring back. This is what the Bible says in Ezekiel 20. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will rule over you with a mighty hand and outstretched arm and, without, and outpoured wrath. I will bring you from the nations and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered, which is what I'm just referring to, is happening right now and exponentially happening at even greater rates. With a mighty hand, outstretched arm, with outpoured wrath, I will bring you into the desert of the nations and there face to face I will execute judgment upon you. It's a judgment that comes about because they have turned from God. They have rejected his son. And this is meant to happen during the time of the tribulation. And we've talked about this in previous weeks, that the purpose of the tribulation is for the Jewish people to ultimately be judged, but then to be brought back into a right relationship with the Lord, not through a sacrifice that they can make, but through a sacrifice that was made for them by Jesus. And many will come to faith as a result of that. That is what this is in reference to. Now, there are other things that are beyond Israel, we have to consider Israel, but are beyond Israel that are more relevant to you, and maybe even some things that you've heard about for why Jesus' return might be nearer than we think. Things like modern technological advances that have taken place. Now, what am I referring to there? Well, I'm referring to this. In Revelation 13, this is what the Scripture says. He, uh, being uh, the beast, 
forced everyone, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name, names of the beast or of the number of its name, the number 666. Now, there was a time meant several years ago when I would read this and think, well, how in the world are they going to limit the purchase of product? Like that's, that's an incredibly challenging thing to have happen, especially when there's so much cash available. But as we all know, we're becoming increasingly a cashless society. Now, that's probably still off in the future when that actually happens, but, but it's becoming more and more of a thing as you have things like PayPal and Venmo and Zelle and Apple Pay and debit cards and credit cards available to you. Pew Research said this, that a tip in a typical week, 29% of Americans make absolutely zero purchases using cash. Now, I'm not saying you need to go hoard cash, and I'm not saying that you need to have a bunch of cash and use cash for everything. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying what we have here is there's been such a development in technology that you can see how a number or a tattoo or something else along those lines would be utilized to make purchases and then down the road could then be leveraged against people to keep them from making purchases through modern technological advances. And I also thought to myself, well, why in the world would anybody ever get a number put on them? And then, and I like Mike Tyson, but half his face is a tattoo. I'm like, if, Mike, if somebody like that will put a tattoo on their face and all people putting tattoos and piercings everywhere else, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Anything is possible and nothing is out of question. But there have been a lot of advances in which somebody could potentially control what people buy and what people sell in our world. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. Another reason that Christ's return may be near is developments of weapons of mass destruction. In the Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up. Now, when I read that, again, 
initially, my mind went to Sodom and Gomorrah. My mind went to a meteorite or some other type of major natural disaster that would cause a third of the world to be burned up. But we know now, even more so in our recent times, as this Russia and Ukraine war is developing, if you have nuclear bombs, it doesn't take many of those to annihilate the entire world. Like I even saw a study that we could, that we could literally obliterate the world and all of its inhabitants a thousand times over with the amount of nuclear weapons that are available to us. And so with these with these chemical weapons and with these other nuclear weapons that are now available, you can see how a third of the world could easily be burnt up. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm just saying Jesus said something like this is going to happen, and it's not going to be pretty. Another thing that we learn of from the Bible about why Christ's return might be near is a worldwide proliferation of evil. It's as you examine our world today, what you begin to see is that things aren't really getting better. They're kind of getting worse. Example of this is a classic movie, 1939, Gone with the Wind came out. And one of the particular storylines that's interesting to me about Gone with the Wind is it was the first movie to actually have a cuss word in it. One prominent preacher in New York City was published having said, if we allow that cuss word into this movie, there will be no end to where it will take us. Now, people made comments and jokes and called him a prude for this comment of his and the statement of his and essentially, you might say, this prophecy of his. And now, recently, a few years back, there was another movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. I haven't seen this particular movie, but in it, it has been noted that the F word is used over 500 times. Now, I, I don't understand how that is possible. I have been to a few football games, and I have seen the creativity of people's cuss words, where it can be a noun, an adjective, an adverb, <laughs> a predicate. You, they, they find all kinds of ways to use these words. But 500 times, that is an increase. That is an increase, you might say, of what we would say is evil in our world. Jesus said this in Luke 17. He said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. So Jesus is saying the end is going to be like that day. But how do you describe the day of Noah and the people of Noah's time? Well, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, described it this way. The imagination of man's heart was wicked continually. And then something had to be done about that. That word imagination is interesting, especially in our day, right now in our time. Some of you might be aware of this, but if you're not, Disney has recently issued a campaign that is known as Reimagine Tomorrow. And in this particular campaign, there is a goal of, in a very, very short period of time, to increase uh, 50% of the prominent characters in the Disney storylines towards minorities and races, which is fine, no, no problem there. 
But then there's also a heavy emphasis on um, having characters that are bisexual, um, non-binary. Um, you might even have people in there that are other questioning gender and other aspects of that particular movement. That is a major agenda of theirs. And that is something that in our day and time is being incredibly celebrated. Now, what I got to tell you from a biblical point of view, just talking about this biblically from a point of view, that God created man and he created woman. And I understand that there are certain predispositions and, and someone might lean one way a little more and lean another way a little ways, but the reality is, is God made a man and he made him female. And he designed marriage to go a certain way. And he created us to be a certain way with our genders and with our sexuality. And if we want society to flourish, like this is how it needs to happen. He is the creator, not us. And in him being the creator, he has designed us to operate in a certain way. And that particular viewpoint is being seen as evil. Okay? You can approach Disney however you want. And I think that there's definitely a strong argument to say, I need to engage Disney. I need to be a part of that company. I need to influence them. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.